1: Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 274. And today, we've got an expert slate of guests for you, including Tony Peterson, Ben O'Brien, and Spencer Newharth. And we're going around the table to get you prepped just in time for spring on all things turkey hunting. Today, we are taking a hard left turn off the usual path of whitetails and talking about our favorite two-footed, two-winged. Big dragon geese and joining me to talk turkeys, our kind of once a year turkey episode. To my left, I have our baritone from another mother, Spencer Newharth. Spencer, thanks hey, for being here. I'm in Montana, by the way. We're at the meat eater headquarters. So I've got a whole slew of people around me to, to pick and choose from. And I picked three, three folks to talk turkeys. Next in the line was Ben. Talk to me, Ben.
2: Well, I'm glad to be on. I just I feel like you're. And your description of turkeys and just your disdain for everything but whitetails. <laughs> I'm just not – I don't know if I'm happy to be here or not. We'll see.
1: I have no disdain for anything <laughs> but whitetails. I just really, really love whitetails. Uh, can you can you give us like a 30-second uh, intro, though, to mm. – what it is you do, because we actually haven't had had you on the show yet, haven't heard about your podcast yet. Uh, Yeah,
2: I've been boycotting the show for a while. You've been asking me to come on.
1: I'm glad you finally caved.
2: I finally caved. No, I have a a program called The Hunting Collective. That's uh, also a part of the Meat Eater Network. I'm the director of hunting here at the uh, flagship, and um, that's what I do. Excellent. Next,
1: we
3: got Tony Peterson. Tony, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. And you're doing some podcasting now too, right? I am. I uh, I was the one guy left who wasn't doing it, so now I'm doing it, and I'm doing two of them, which means which makes me like the person who gets two puppies and thinks they can train them because it was <laughs> not 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 the best decision I made. I should have spaced them out, but I didn't, so here I am. What are they about? Uh, the one that the one that we started with is a sporting dog talk, and it's just my love of bird dogs. And I don't know if you're paying attention in this office, the, my favorite meat eater so far is moose. I've been uh, sneaking out to pet that dog a lot, uh, sent some pictures to my daughter, and then I've got another one called Hunt for Real, which is just do-it-yourself hunting stuff that I, uh, you know, not, not whitetail specific, not bow hunting specific, but just the kind of hunting I want to talk about. I like it. I always enjoy talking hunting with you, so I'm interested to hear the hunting
1: you, you want to talk about. Awesome. This should be good. Uh, turkeys, turkey tour, Ben. Mm. You're doing this turkey tour, which got me thinking that now would be a great time for us to talk about turkeys, all this group, because yeah. we're yeah. at least some of us are gonna be turkey hunting together soon. Hopefully, you'll
2: be on the tour. I'm right? um, still will, in for the tour. I'm in for yeah, the that's tour. That's good. What is that's this good. that you're doing? Well, you know, I like to kill turkeys, Mark, as you know, and most of them I shoot right in their faces. uh is that all, right? Yeah, all of them. Okay. And, um, I don't. I like to have hunt. you ever missed a turkey? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you don't shoot all of them in the face. That's <laughs> why I said most. If you heard me talking, <laughs> I said most. But then you said all. Yeah, all the ones that die get shot in the face. Okay, fair enough. So, no, this it started when I I was hunting. I hunted turkeys with a bow a lot, and I realized that quite often, unlike you know some states like South Dakota have archery only seasons or or times of the year, but most of the time, like you can choose your weapon when it comes to turkeys. Yep. And I realized a couple of years ago that I I have a better chance of shooting them than with a shotgun than with a bow. And then I also realized that around the same time I had this like turkey hunting epiphany that my wife would say that she liked to buy chicken a lot because we'd never had enough white meat, and so I it was like two this was three years ago I set out if I was like if I was like if I can kill ten turkeys in a year I feel like that would cover our white meat needs. There was like a
4: calculation behind that.
2: Though, yeah, right? no, I had – it, and it's – I'm not going to repeat it because it, <laughs> now I really want to know that now we have to hear the calculation. A fellow wrote in and was like, you're way wrong and here's why. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> and he was right. But I just feel, though, if you just think about the meat that you get off a turkey, yep. right? If you if you would eat through one turkey roughly a month, you'd be good to go, right? So at least you kind of have – it used to say 12, but I don't think I'll ever get to 12. So I think if I can get the double digits – That'd be just fine. So it's it's a utility that I I need the white meat, right? So I got last year I smoked a couple of breasts and sliced it for lunch meat and vac-sealed it and it lasted for, I mean two weeks was still really good. So you can replace your lunch meat intake. You can replace any really any white meat intake that you have. My wife's used to buy chicken now. What so about you, the dark meat? Oh, the dark meat's good too. Okay. Just want to make, make sure, sure your legs you work. and thighs. No? Yeah, yeah. Want to make sure yeah. you're not. Hating Me on and Yanni dog. Patelis were just talking about all our legs and thighs ideas, um, turkeys. You guys talk about legs and thighs <laughs> a lot. <laughs> about our legs and thighs, <laughs> our turkey legs and thighs. Uh, so that's how it started, and I've tried, been trying to kill 10 turkeys for the last two seasons, and I have yet to accomplish that. I think I killed six one year and then four the next year, so all 10 right. total in two years. But this year I've got it laid out to where I might be able to hit my 10.
1: So two questions. Number one, is it true that – Several of us in the office yesterday saw you put on a full-body turkey suit. Yes, that's true. Okay. And then number two, where are you going to be going this year to try to pull off the 10 turkey trifecta?
2: I might wear the suit. Um, that would be something. I would like to, to d- kill like a turkey be, while being a turkey. I like to be an innovator. You know, I like to innovate. Um, be the decoy. I don't the think decoy. they have a, a turkey <laughs> version yet. Yeah. I can see the look on a turkey's face when the decoy pulls out a shotgun. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. shit. Um, no, we're going to start in Texas. We're doing a nice hunt with the, the boys at Yeti down there in Texas. I got a couple of places by the Llano River that we're going to go run around, try to kill some birds. So you can kill four there, right? So that's, that's one of the only hunting reasons to like Texas. <laughs> rest of like The rest of it is, this is bleak. They've got the whole numbers thing figured out too. Bleak. Yeah. Uh, but you can kill four as a non-resident there. So if I'm ever so lucky to kill four there, then we're going to come back to Montana. We're going to set off – you spencer and i are going to set off for south dakota the black hills i'm excited so, about that uh, yeah a little public land i heard like you said newberg was going to be there man i heard that the crew like tripled in size now well, who's, who's now, doing this yeah like who's in charge of this? how is it that this is your turkey tour so,
1: but you're asking spencer about who's on well, the we trip? we're
2: trying to bring people in we're trying to be an open we're uh, we're open here yeah at the turkey which tour. i love yeah it's at great. the turkey tour we're open to all comers tony Tony like you're welcome to come (laughs) listeners yeah (laughs) listen whatever we'll drop you pins we don't care yeah we want everybody to be hunting turks but I feel like this like other people have now co-opted that that particular stop right so Sam Soholt and I are the resident
4: South Dakotans we've killed a number of turkey there so we're going to be kind of your guide like Ben Mark uh there's also going to be the hunting public guys there I'm not sure specifically who I assume Zach and Jake um and then randy newberg so the crew randy doesn't gotten, even like turkeys though i don't know i've just
1: been he told he's showing to, up he tried to he, he thought he had to do a turkey hunting trip somewhere for some reason he tried to pawn it off on me once he's like ah turkeys do <laughs> you like them like, yeah <laughs>
2: well he's always said he'd to hunt with me so maybe he just that's it
3: <laughs> that's why yeah. so he doesn't like turkeys but he'll trap muskrats <laughs> i guess so I don't. He's a hard to understand individual. Yeah.
2: Anyway, that sounds like that's going to be a good time. It will be a really good time. So, good South news. Dakota is
3: stop number
4: two
2: on yep. your tour. On the tour. And then we're going to, uh, if we're thinking about Wyoming. That's still a possibility. Uh, the guys from Weatherby have some areas down there. Nice. So, we're going to drive from there and we're going to drive down to the BHA rendezvous, which is in Boise. So, we're going to roll through Wyoming and see if we can't snake a bird out of there. Then, we're going to go do the rendezvous and then. Roll up through Idaho, do a couple of days of hunting, and then roll to Oregon, do a hunt, and then go back to Montana, do a hunt, and then that would be the end. Is this gonna be all consecutive days? Those will, yeah. Texas is next
1: week. Gotcha. So So how many days in one fell swoop of turkey hunting are you can do? It's what's, like what's sixteen
2: or seventeen.
4: I feel like you, you laid it out like, oh, you just naturally drive, you know, just a little ways and you're at this other place, but there's like 10 hour jaunts in there. and
2: stuff. Yeah. The great thing is you could be turkey hunting along the way, <laughs> right? You stop, you get a sandwich, you look for turkeys. Do you road <laughs> hunt? I road hunt. Yeah, of course I do. I'm trying to get 10. This is a 10 turkey. This is <laughs> utility, bro. I don't have time <laughs> right. to be, I don't have time to fair chase or anything <laughs> like that. I'm very busy. You're
4: yeah. going to have to shoot some white ones I think, yeah. if you want to get 10 turkeys. Yeah. I feel like I can get it done.
2: But it's gonna be a long. It's a long shot. Let's just be honest. What do you think your odds are, honestly, like, to get ten? To get ten, if you had to put, if I, if five I bucks five bucks, bucks, big, big, you're big, big roller. You're big. You get roller. Michigan boys really go deep. <laughs> uh, if, I had, if I had to say, I would say very low, very low. Maybe maybe ten percent. Maybe one in ten chance. I get that it. low. Yeah, I think it's I was going to give you better than that. I just think all those different states. You know, truck breaks down. You miss one of the states. And lot, other than Texas, it's all public lands too. And none of them, yeah. uh, you know, I'll have I'll have Spencer as a guide on South Dakota, but most of them will just be running and gunning, finding spots where birds are and, and going going for it. So. I feel like you're going to need to kill four in Texas to have a chance. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. the rest is pretty It's It's going to be tough. tough. It's going to be tough. Four in Texas. So I'll probably spend a little extra time in Texas just to make sure those four are in the bag but I could kill more than one in Montana, too. So if I get done the tour and I'm just one or two short, then I can. Because it's broken down into regions yeah. in Montana, right? Mm, there's only what, like one or two areas that are draw, but the rest of them are over the counter. So I feel like I'll give myself a little leeway. Um, yeah, that's
1: it's going to be a hell of a trip. So you're shooting for 10 turkeys. Yeah. Uh, Spencer,
4: how many tur- where are you hunting turkeys this year, and how many do you think you're going to get? So I got a few tags in Montana, um, and then I think I have five tags in South Dakota. But five turkey tags. Five in tags. South Actually, six well, there tags. you go. You should try to kill five in South Dakota. <laughs> I know. I can't. What? I, I still have my. I'm still a resident <laughs> there.
2: <clears throat> oh, you're still a resident. So yes. you, got a,
4: you got your non-resident turkey, Montana turkey. Wasn't. Yes. So I have a few tags in Montana as a non-resident, and then in South Dakota, I think I have six tags. But like three of them, three of them are for areas that I have never hunted in, like not even been, just because there were some leftover tags. And it's my last time being a resident there, uh, I figured I would load up on tags. So I think I'll maybe fill half of those, like three out of six in South Dakota. And then Montana, this is all foreign to me. So maybe one out of the two tags that I have here.
3: Tony, turkey hunting plans? Uh, I got some plans. I'm only shooting for five. I'm going to... I'm gonna buy my three tags for Nebraska. See if I can see if I can knock out three down there on public land. Then hunt at home in Minnesota. And then uh, I kind of bought a a random tag down in Iowa because I want to scout some public land down there for deer. So that'll be a shotgun deal. But I'm if everything goes perfectly for me, I'll get halfway to the ten turkey goal, and that that'd make me happy because I'd also be done turkey hunting by the time the good fishing starts. There you go.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I'll probably take an interlude for bear season. at yeah. some point. But if you're shooting for 10 and you get six, you feel real good about life. Really? You feel like you're done.
1: Y- you're happy with
2: 60% scores on your test? Absolutely. Have you ever met me? <laughs> That's a low D. Weird. We've talked about this many times, Mark Kenyon. I very much feel that I shoot for average because I don't want anybody to think that I'm real good at anything. You no. Know, yesterday
1: Ben's like, you know, I piss excellence. I'm like, no, I feel like you're more the type that shits adequate. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: true. It's <laughs> very true. I, I, to, um, I strive to... Yeah be just good enough
0: not to impress anybody
4: what are your turkey plans i
1: mean i have the most unexciting plans compared to the whole group (laughs) so i brought the right people in because i'm boring we only get one tag in michigan so i've got that and that (laughs) (laughs) and then south dakota yeah and then i lost my ohio spot so i I usually turkey on ohio but that's not happening now for sure um so the only other thing could be if i try to slip into montana hunt
2: oh yeah i am going to ohio for a uh child's birthday party and i was thinking that maybe while i was there i would sneak out you're going all the way to ohio for a child's birthday party yeah i like this child i'm a is fan it your of this child, child, child or what no it's a child of my brother okay so i like <laughs> you the definitely child.
3: got to clarify that yeah, you when really you say do that. Need to clarify no i I'm really like this, brother this
2: brother child <laughs> <laughs> uh, this child is cool uh, context, context is <laughs> everything. Um, i met him on
3: the internet yeah. <laughs> So, He's great. He's <laughs> so, great. No, it's... We've got,
1: uh, we've got uh, multiple turkey seasons in Michigan. Like You have to pick a certain bracket, like many states do. And I'm always finding myself debating, like, do I want the early season? Do I want to wait in the late seasons? It's a later bracket. Like, you can get the whole month of May if you get the late tag. If you do the early tag, you only get two weeks. And sometimes it's not a bunch of weeks. It's like two weekends. You don't get, like, three weekends on either side. So you're more limited. I always used to like that early season. I just felt like there were certain things going that made it better for me. Um, But I am curious what the consensus is in this group. What part of the spring do you think is the best for turkey hunting? Early, let's say like early being sometime early April. We'll say mid-season is like late April, early May. Late season is anything past that date. Do you, Tony, do you have something that jumps out? Like, what do you think the best turkey hunting is?
3: If I'm on private land, I like to get out there right away. I love the early season birds. A lot of times on public land, by the time May rolls around, those parking lots will clear out a little bit. Those birds are roaming. They're eating bugs, leafed out. They got a lot of food. They're covering ground, and the pressure is way down. So it's just it just depends, it's situational. But generally, that'd be my decision, or that'd be my my preference, I guess.
2: Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think that like I've had most of my success in our early, early seasons. Like soon as I could possibly get out there, even if I have to battle some shitty weather, you know, yeah. to do it. I feel like that's, you know, for sure on private lands, public lands. I'm usually just take it when I can get it type type of guy. But if I had if I had to pick, I would I would
4: go late. Spencer. Yeah, my preference would probably be like uh, mid-April. Uh, I don't hunt very many pressured turkey areas, so people aren't a concern. But uh, weather can be like the beginning of April. It would not be uncommon to have a a big snowstorm in South Dakota or something. And I don't want to have to worry about that. So uh, mid-April is probably my favorite time. The turkeys are uneducated. Uh, They're excited because the the weather is nice as well. That's probably my favorite time of year to be out. Yeah.
1: That's always why I picked the early tag for Michigan, which opens usually April 20th, which is as early as we can get. I always felt like they haven't been pressured yet. It just seems like they're more susceptible to calls, just a little more gullible to everything. But I I am definitely not like the expert turkey guy. I find myself to be a competent turkey guy. I get my turkey every year, but I'm not the guy that goes around and kills 10. Um, So what I don't really know is when do you think like the best like gobbling is? Where are turkeys the most talkative? Is it early too?
2: I mean, it just really depends. There's so many factors, you know. I've I've seen turkeys that won't gobble because, well, in Texas, I've seen turkeys that just won't ever gobble. Or rarely do because not because of pressure of hunters, but pressures of coyotes. Mm-hmm. I've seen coyotes may affect that. So I feel like you got to really know the birds you're hunting. Like, just like whitetails or anything else, you have to know the birds you're hunting, like what what will cause them to. Because if they're unpressured, there's no hunters, there's no predators, they feel comfortable. I mean, get after them as
3: soon as they possibly. As soon as the sun comes out, they're normally lighting it up. You know? Well, that, and that's the thing, if you're asking, When are you going to hear the most gobbling? First light. When are you going to run into the bird that you can call in and kill? A lot of times that's middle of the day stuff. You know I mean? Especially if it's real early season stuff where they're, you know, they seem to go from super flocked up to smaller flocks. And then throughout the day they might peel off and go cruising or something. So if you want to hear lots of birds and see all that activity out in the fields, first light. But a lot of times you're just looking for the one bird that'll work. But what
1: about time of year?
3: Like for best gobbling time of year. Well, well you'll curious, hear more like, gobbling early. Yeah, early. yeah. I mean, but you'll hear. You know, it, it's the same thing. It's like you'll hear a ton of gobbling at sunrise. But if you hear, if you get a bird to fire up at ten o'clock in the morning, you kill him. Yeah. And late season, you hear way fewer birds gobbling. But if you get one that's wants to talk to you, that bird you can talk him in. You know. Do you
1: think that's like the late rut buck that you get those big old cruisers like November twenty fifth? and they're a little more susceptible because they know there's still a hot doe around and, and they're the only ones left doing that? Is that kind of what you think of those late-season turkeys are doing, like there's I, an old guy that knows it can still be had? I think it's because the hens
3: aren't concentrated anymore. Yeah. I think there's yeah. so much more food available and there's nesting, you know, so they're, they are they got to just try harder to find any lady that's ready or that might be ready. So I think they're just covering more ground and more susceptible to those. You
2: know, if, That's I me. It just really depends. I mean, I, I learned so much about turkey movement hunting this ranch in Texas, where, like I said, turkeys didn't gobble. It was it was like pattern of white whitetail. I mean, I would I knew I had two birds one I, one I ended up killing that I knew. Did you name of, him? No, <laughs> <laughs> dead. I <laughs> dead meat. Uh, I I hunted him for four days and I had him. I he didn't never gobbled one time. He had two hens with him the first day, but then he would split. He would fly down with his hens, they would walk over to a feeder, do their Texas turkey thing, and then they the hens would drop down into the bottom and he would leave them and go cruise. <laughs> right? He had his little. He had like a route that he would cruise. He would go up to this little food plot, you know, strut around a little bit, gobble maybe once, maybe. And in the sun, if the sun came out, he felt real comfortable and warm and happy. And then he would come back around, hit this road and just peck his way back on the road, eating bugs, doing his thing, get back to his hens, and then stay with them in the afternoon and then fly up to the roost. And so there was two birds that were doing kind of the same thing off the same group. And because they would only gobble, like I only heard them ever gobble once or twice, the two of them, you just had to pattern them. So I got I got to where I just would sit on the road because I knew I'd wait till they flew down, I'd watch them because I wasn't gonna kill them on the feeder. I'm saying, like, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna let them do what they do. They drop down on the bottom and I just go get ahead of them and get on the road between the food plot and where I knew he was headed. It took me three days, but I ended up killing him, and it was a a completely silent affair. I'm just sitting there up against the tree, had a little brush in front of me, look over, and he's just walking down the road
0: doing what he was doing, and I just swung up and shot him. So you didn't call him in? Nope. Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver, off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. For all things auto, do it yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater.
1: Does anyone else feel like it's a little I was talking to Donnie Vincent once about it and he described this like so simply, but like perfectly for me too when it comes to like turkey hunting you kind of want him to do the thing like i kind of like if i'm gonna kill a turkey i want him to do the thing i want him to be gobbling his head off tearing into me like my blood's pumping and i shoot him that way does that the way you killed him was that just as satisfying or do you kind of like ah, i kind of would have been more fun if he would have been gobbling and i was calling and he was gobbling and i was yeah, calling man, and I, all don't,
2: I don't look at it that way i mean it was cool because i it was even more exciting to me because i had to do some work and I feel like you, you like you ask a lot of turkey owners, what are turkeys doing? They don't know. Yeah. They don't know because the equation is normally hear bird on roost, go to where bird is, set up, call, bird comes in or not, bird goes away, I find another bird or get around on that mm-hmm. same bird. So you're not really understanding its movements or where it wants to go because it's so susceptible to your calls at that time. Yeah. So when you get in a situation where you have to actually learn its movements and understand like what it wants to do and where it might be in a certain time of day rather than just manipulating its movements and make it see if it works i think that's a little more it was more exciting to me in that way because i really had to i mean turkeys are not they're not deer man like, they they see you <laughs> and if you move like they're not something you can still hunt they're not something you can just set up on and hope they walk under a tree you know it's, right. it's just not something that's not because that's not how you hunt them so to be able to do that was more exciting for me but interesting i could see I mean, I love that more than any more than anything in the in the woods. Seeing a turkey strut, you know. So I can see somebody being a little like if one just. I had one. I shot four bird. I don't have four birds last year. Two of them didn't gobble, and I didn't call them in. One was in the pouring down rain in Florida. We were just nobody would sit, so I was like, I'll just go sit rather than sit the lodge. I'm just gonna sit in the yeah. sit in the blind. I'd rather just be wet in there than be dry and and just had a bird come around the corner with two hands pouring down rain. Like I didn't – I watched my pattern go through the rain when I shot him. <laughs> and I just had a decoy out, and he just turned the corner, saw the decoy, and slowly just – Came on As in. a wet, cold, miserable bird would be, just kind of slowly made his way over, went to the decoy, and I shot him. So,
1: Speaking of rain and stuff, um, I'm always trying to – and you alluded to this a little bit, but do, have you guys seen any somewhat consistent connections between certain conditions and gobbling? Like when X happens – Goblin's really great. Like, cold front comes through great goblin, or this kind of weather, this kind of anything. Do you guys seen anything like rules like that that you've identified? Beach weather, man.
3: I, I want the sun out in the morning and not a lot of wind, not a lot of rain, anything like that. I want it to be nice, nice spring weather. That seems to be the best. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You get a lot of wind or a like a random snowstorm that rolls through in, in April or a ton of rain, that typically shuts down gobbling. Like you asked earlier about time of year. I would say there are much more important factors, like what the weather is doing that day, how much pressure they've had, that kind of thing, uh, because I think nasty weather can
2: really shut down turkeys. Yeah. I was talking about that bird in Texas that was patternable. He was only patternable because nobody hunted him. This is a ranch where like, they just love deer. They didn't care gotcha. about turkeys. And so I was like one of the only guys who – cared about hunting turkeys and this is you know i've watched that bird through spotting scopes do the same thing base almost every day like he would make little variances based on like if he saw some food somewhere that he, he wanted to go but he start to learn that that's they they are habitual in that in spring but they're always getting bumped off of their route you know they're always getting pulled right. somewhere different and they're all you know so you learn that about them but yeah i mean when the sun comes out i I always get you turkey hunting, and there's like a cloud, and the sun comes from behind the cloud. Yeah. Like you just picture that gobbler being like, "Oh yeah, buddy, <laughs> oh yeah," and that's what you know. That's what that gobbles about. Sometimes, just like, "Yep, let's do this." You know, yeah. I'm feeling good. So I think that's sometimes you know the best reaction. Yeah, I, I've certainly seen the
1: same thing, but I've I seen that with rain. One thing that I remember reading a long time ago and saw it to be truth, I think, is a lots of times when it's a steady rain you'll get these birds often go out to the middle of fields. Yeah. Um, so that's like one thing I feel like pretty consistently have seen. So I've, if it's raining, I'll go, I'll still go hunt because you know, you're gonna be able to see them. Yep. Have you guys found any other, like, what do you do when it's raining or what do you do when it's snowing and shuts
4: things down in that kind of way? Do you guys have a go-to for that kind of unique circumstance? Yeah. So two years ago, I killed a Turkey in a blizzard in the black Hills where we'll be, um, I wrote about that story for Field and Stream. But it's a blizzard rolled in. It was really nasty. Uh, And it was like I only had a few days in the Black Hills. And prior to that, it was like 70 degrees and beautiful. Um, And so I I felt pretty good about where I was going to find these turkeys because I'd seen them there before. And they were not talking. They were not there. Uh, it, It just had to shut them down, basically. So I got in my pickup, and I drove and drove and drove. And I finally... Uh, the snow was like super fresh because it was constantly coming down and I cut some turkey tracks across so the road. you were driving
1: specifically to do that, to try to cut tracks?
4: I just like sea turkeys, anything, because the Black Hills are a lot of national forest. Um, and so like, basically I threw my turkey hunting plan out of the window and got my pickup because I only had a few days, uh, and, and basically road hunting. That's not what it ended up being. I cut some tracks and, and found some turkeys on a bit of public ground. But, uh, if it's super snowy or the weather's really nasty, I don't know if there's much you can do out there to like kill a gobbler so
2: yeah if you man if you got a lot of ground though i killed a bird in the black hills in the blizzard and it was basically what you said we were on this bird that he would roost above this you know this is a pretty big creek I and mean, was a damn river and he would roost above it and then he i hunted him for two days where he would just f- always fly to the different side well if i was on one side of the river some bitch would fly to the other side if i was on the other side and it it was It was flying up to roost and flying down from roost. It happened to me four straight times where he just did the exact opposite thing of what I was wanting him to do and had planned he might do. And so I just remember it started snowing, and I thought, well, I got to get up and try to find a bird hunkered away somewhere. If I could find a gobbler hunkered away, trying to stay warm in some kind of like riparian corridor, a bunch of like tall grass, if I can find one, like then I can crawl him up. It was windy and cold. I can crawl him up. He's not going anywhere. He's going to want to stay tight. So I ended up finding a bird just on this like backside of this this old lady's house, and there was a, a ridge behind it that went all the way down to this river, and there was two or three gobblers just kind of tucked up in this little behind this little bank, this little clay bank, and I saw them from the road. drove over to the lady's house said, hey, you mind if I? She said sure. So she's like, yep, they're they're there all the time. I was like, okay, good. So <laughs> so I parked my truck and went around and crawled up the hill and crawled right up to him and shot one. It was a big gobbler. It's one of the biggest gobblers I ever shot. And that that works
4: someplace in the Black Hills because there's a ton of public ground. And then there's a ton of people who will allow you to hunt because there's not like a ton of hunting pressure. And so it's not uncommon to even find private ground if there was a a snowstorm and a bunch of turkeys hunkered down in some feedlot or or whatever uh, that you would be able to get permission. I'm not saying that works everywhere because it doesn't. But Black Hills are kind of an exception to that rule. If it wasn't that case, I don't know what yeah, you it's do hard. to find a snowstorm turkey.
2: Yeah, if you have, like, a lease property or a small property, it's like, you
3: know, you're not going to go yeah, traipsing around. Limited. Yeah, what would you do, Tony? So, you know, the rain thing's pretty easy, I think. I mean, you get out to the fields, and I don't, I don't know if they're doing that because they feel safer out there, you know, because some of their senses are a little bit dull yeah, if you're in a rainy that's woods. That's red ones. But, you know, they may be eating worms. Who knows, right? Yeah. But one thing that I see a lot of people, they don't hunt in the wind. And I'll never forget, I used to go down to northern Missouri, where, where I grew up in southeastern Minnesota. The first like big out-of-state hunt I ever did was just drive to northern Missouri and camp on public land. And one of the first birds I ever killed down there, uh, it was super windy. You know, we're camping in a tent. It was like 30-mile-per-hour sustained winds. And we had to hunt, nothing else to do. So I went out in the morning, and I was I just remember walking along through this spot. And I, I got behind this hill, and it was like quiet. Just I hit that little, uh, microclimate's probably not the right word, but... It was just downwind. You were out of the wind. And I looked up in the trees, and there was turkeys roosted all over. I could see them silhouetted. I just sat down, started calling that first light. Big Tom flew down, dumped him, and I was like, hmm. And so I started paying attention to if it's windy the night before, where are they going to roost? And so, like, you go to some places in Texas or somewhere, there might just be a roost, yeah. right, where like, that's the roost. But a lot of places, you go to the, you know, Driftless area in southeastern Minnesota and it's bluffs or, you know, a lot of places i've seen it in oklahoma i've seen it in nebraska if the wind's coming in a certain way in the evening they're going to roost according to that and you can play off of that a little bit and so not then you're not taking yourself out of the game and saying i'm not going to hunt you can at least start with some kind of strategy and they you know they may not be gobbling as much but if you can get if you can get in on them which you usually can if it's windy then you can be set up where that bird that might not work in a traditional situation because it's too windy he might go well it's worth it you know or it gets light out and he sees your decoy Hundred fifty yards away. Yeah. So there's something to that. So you're
1: saying that they tend to roost in areas like back under a ridge or something
3: kind of shelter to get shelter, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I see it a lot. If if they can, if it's available to you know, sometimes terrain doesn't do it. But it's the same thing. Like uh, you know, you just sometimes if you're if you're hunting elk early season or you're hunting whitetails or something, you walk into a place. And it's a little cooler, and you can feel it. You know, they're aware of every. Those animals oh, live yeah. out there. They know all those little microclimates. Or the deer yeah. that, if it's hot, he goes and beds in the in the cornfield, where you know where you can catch the wind, just right, right and the soil's cool or whatever. And they know all that stuff. And I, like like Ben said about, we, we a lot of times we don't really know what's going on out there. You know, as part of it's we're not watching their day to day patterns and the circuit they're making, and we're we're just kind of like dipping into their world, hoping hoping it plays out our way, and then we dip out. And the more you, more time you spend out there, you see stuff like that happen, you go, that's not an accident, what yeah. they're doing.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I learned that in Iowa a couple of years ago, too. I mean, you just, like, we were hunting uh, John Dudley's place, and you just could get up on a bluff and watch these turkeys do their thing, like, and watch them come out when it was nice. It would If it was sunny right off, they would fly down on the roost and go strut, right? And then they would get in some kind of bottom or some river bottom, and they would feed in there, and they would feed up they were feeding up into a direction where they know they would hit this top food plot and when the afternoon would come, the gobbler would be out there by himself strutting, right? He would leave his hens and go out and do a little show. And then they would drop back down and kind of work their way back to where they started. And we killed some birds just doing that, you know. But it was also just you learn them. It's like a lot of turkeys that uh, hunters just don't do. You don't yeah. learn. You, like you, it would be hard to consistently kill whitetail if you if you couldn't, if if you had no idea what they did. Yeah, that's it would be impossible that's the greatest overstatement i've ever heard yeah understatement if you're just like i'll just go what i'll do is i'll just go sit in a tree close to where i think they are and then i'll grunt Mm -hmm. and rattle and then i'll kill them like you would never one you would never learn anything right yeah
3: and two you would never do you would it would be terrible yeah i'm I'm gonna say this that's not an untried practice (laughs) (laughs) like i mean there are people out there who are doing exactly what you just described there yep
2: and they might every once in a while You like might get yourself a, a nice buck, but yeah. it's not going to be consistent. But I think that's what turkey hunters miss so often is that there is this, you know, all birds, All I find all birds are different. That's what makes turkey hunting so damn fun. You yep. you know, you run into, you may, I have had stretches where it's like, this is too easy. I mean, when I was living in right. Illinois, I'd be, every opening day, I'd take that first season just like you. Yep. The first season, I'd get my tag, and I'd like first season, that's what I want. I get my first season tag, and I never hunted more than an hour or two, yep. you know this is a little bit of light scouting and find a bird and have a nice day and bam done you know so you get in those grooves where it's like this is easy then you get to like a swamp bird in louisiana that just like lives in mangled mess of nothing and and will not do what you would need him to do and then you think like this is impossible you know or you go somewhere (laughs) like in texas where they won't gobble and you're just like I see them when they're gobbling, it seems like they're everywhere. When they're quiet, it seems like there's no turkeys. Yeah. So it's just a different deal. It's funny how the expectation of things changes your
1: experience so much. Like, I don't hear deer making noises all the time, but I know there's deer around. But same to your point, when I don't hear turkeys, I'm like, God. There's they're all gone they're like all elk. gone
2: just because you go into yeah, elk is the other one like it's just an expectation dude thing. I love walking around the hardwoods and looking for scratching and looking for like okay what's he scratching at like what's what's he getting at here you know and looking for exactly what to doing. what tree are they under right now yeah. why are they doing this tree why are they doing this route why are they scratching here this is where they're comfortable if they're here scratching they would have to be where they're comfortable or where they're you know there's always seems to be like these midday hideaways that these turkeys have most turkeys have where they go and they're they don't want to strut they're not after a hen they kind of just want to be safe and, Mm -hmm. and sound so it seems like i've seen that with turkeys all over the country that they kind of act like that so
1: speaking of these other things like you're seeing all across the country you guys have hunted in some more diverse places for turkeys than i have um you're talking about roosting locations and how like wind might affect roosting locations. You know, i have always, obviously there's like your kind of generic big kind of horizontal, big roosting type branches on certain trees that you tend to think of. That'll be a great roosting spot. I've also heard sometimes that turkeys will like to roost over standing water where they can be over standing water, but then then fly down to something dry relatively nearby. Um, have you guys seen any other typical kind of, if I see that I'm thinking that could be a good roosting spot. Um, that stands out that you look for
2: or key in on. Took so all the good ones, Mark. I was going to say over water.
3: <laughs> well, you, you know what I wonder about the overwater thing is that because in some places the the only the best place to fly off will be around where there's a low spot of standing water. Yeah, I mean it, it seems. Yeah, it seems. I mean it's not. They don't like looking down at fish. I mean they do it because they have a fly off spot.
2: Yeah, but I also think there's a safety out there too. Like the predator yeah. can approach from only one one side you would think right without making a bunch of noise. I don't right. know if that's that's probably not as prevalent as what you're talking about but yeah, it could knows? be but I've seen you know I've watched birds. I mean we had were you there in Mexico and those birds were flying a hundred feet in the air. I didn't get to see it but you guys are talking about it. Yeah. I mean they just they, they flew, flew off Explain a cliff. Yeah. So we were me and uh, our media CEO Kevin Sloan were sitting down waiting for Steve and you were with him. right? Yes, Steve and Mark and Cal are coming off this ridge. We're going to all meet up and go to a different spot, chase coos deer. And we looked up in the – air, I got a video of it. It's not very good because they're so high up in the air. We looked up in the air. We're like, what's that? Like buzzards. What's, what's – I mean, I'm talking 100 feet in the air. I mean, it was high. There's these turkeys who must have flown off of a, one of these high ridges and were soaring in the wind. Like, like they were in a flock, like almost in a flying V, just soaring in the wind. And they landed on this ridge and they just, I watched them walk up like normal. I'd (laughs) never seen anything like that in my life. Wild. And, And they were, I mean, gliding, I mean, floating in the air, not as you normally see them dropping at a fast pace. Like they were just making their way over to that ridge. and I've never seen anything like it. It was wild. Yeah, you Usually,
1: envision turkeys, you know, just like they're thrown off a cliff, and they're just kind of stumbling through the air. <laughs> <in> the <land. laughs> but that's
2: like, yeah, that's what turkeys. They're just. I feel like turkeys sometimes aren't that hard to figure out. You know, they they f- fly with the wind at their backs. Like they like places where they're not in the wind. Right when they Is get up to the
1: roost, you think they come off the tree with the wind to their backs?
2: No, they fly up to the to roost a lot of times with the wind to gotcha. their back. So I've seen them like posture on a ridge and like wait till the wind's right. I felt yeah. yeah, go up and fly in. I've seen that. Um. So I've seen a lot of things but I've you know, seen them they like Tony was saying earlier they like to be out of the wind they like to be out of the elements so if they can get in a a big tree branch in a in a tall oak or something with a big canopy they like that like they like to be at a have a ridge at the to block the wind sometimes yeah. they like to be in a place where the sun first hits um
3: you yeah, know they like, that. they like that you know you know what I think is you know we keep talking about or you keep talking about their the pattern or their behavior that we're just not paying attention to if you start hunting them in the fall when you take the breeding instinct out and it's just survival food and you know lather rinse repeat you see how patternable turkeys are and it's it's incredible what they're you know the scratching you're talking about the scouting if you find a place they like to go eat today at 10 o'clock in the morning they go there tomorrow And the only difference in the spring is if they got the breeding thing, the randomness. So it's like elk. When you talk to somebody who's consistent on elk, you know, you have that X factor, right? But, for the most part, to to hedge their bets, they're like, okay, what do they need now? Is it sanctuary? Is it food? Is it water? Is it, what, what's everything they need? And then you just throw that X factor in. Turkeys are the same. We just don't give them as much credit, right? But it's the same thing going on out there. And yeah. Sam so hold head, probably the best description for turkeys I've ever heard. He said that
4: they are Roombas with feathers because, like, they get out there <laughs> and they like go a little ways and they hit a fence and they're like ah. Just Turn around and then they go somewhere else, and like, like a
2: puffed up river. Yeah. That's what he they, says, they yeah. hit,
4: like a creek that they don't want to fly over, so then they go another direction. So, like, yeah, that's it, great. Turkeys, that's why, yeah, they're, they're patternable to an extent, but like in the woods, it just seems so random. They look
3: lost. All it's not, not random, it's not, man. <laughs> and,
2: and, well, it, sometimes it seems that way, but that's why, as turkey hunters, you feel really good. I called a bird in South Dakota over a, a freaking river, and we, I was just calling to him just to see what he would do. I was not thinking he's not gonna fly over that to come over here. And he did, and the dude I was with shot him, and I was like, "Wow, that's cool. That means I, does that mean I'm good? Like, if he's willing to do that, just does, but you could have another bird and you could call just the same notes, and, he, and yeah. he's not even interested. you know so it's just that's the great thing about turkeys. like you, one is going to act totally different than the other, and like then those interactions are patternable, right? But every once in a while you get a bird that's like, "What's he doing? <laughs> he wouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Was, he, was he drunk?
4: And you had asked about, like, uh, like if you could identify a tree, it would be good roosting just by looking at it. I yeah, that'd be tough without seeing a bunch of sign around it, like the turkey crap is an obvious one. And I think it's like J turkey crap is a male and just, like, piles of it is a female or whatever. So that's one thing you can look for. And if turkeys use that area often, there will be so much sign that you cannot possibly miss it. Like, there'll be feathers, uh, there'll be, you know, areas where they were scratching or dusting and, and stuff like that. So... And I come from South Dakota where there's a lot of fractured habitat. Um, and, And what I'm getting at is you could look at aerial topography or you could drive by a property from miles away and look at it and be like, that has deer in it. For sure. No doubt about it. There's whitetail that live there. But that's not always the case with turkeys. It's, it'd be challenging in a lot of Midwestern states where there's like the fractured habitat to know that every draw or whatever is going to have turkeys just because it looks good. <laughs> so, uh, so what I'm saying is a lot of times you have to see them there or something right. or see the overwhelming amount of sign to know that there's turkeys in
2: that area. Yeah, there's some places like the... Ex- I've seen it in Florida, less in Florida, but in Texas for sure, like Tony was saying, there's like a roost tree. yeah. And you're like, oh, well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. That's my <laughs> right. favorite kind of turkey. Although it's my favorite and my least favorite because it's only if you're hunting it. <laughs> yeah. It's good. If there's other yeah. hunters around, it's like they're all.
1: I definitely have seen like in, in the handful of places that I have like consistently hunted year after year that there certainly are like consistent locations. Like I always know there's a 75% chance that we're going to hear birds roosted in that little pocket. Yep. And if they're not there, they're probably gonna be over this swamp right there. And yeah. like I've always wondered and tried to ha- start identifying like, why. what's the why around that. But sometimes it is a little wonky. Um,
2: well, i us say it's good to think about different turkeys in different places and yeah. try to, like, is there similarities? I've seen, like, sloughs almost always seem to have sloughs of big overhanging branches. Some, yeah. for some reason, seem to always have turkeys. I've seen that in Louisiana. I've seen it in Texas, places like that. Are That's... there any, speaking of that kind of like regional? peculiarities have you guys seen
1: any really standout differences in behavior or even necessary tactics that you guys have found from one region to another like does something stand out like oh gosh if you're hunting in the south for turkeys you really gotta do x or they seem to be so
4: different in y way is there anything that stands out from your experiences the turkey purists will say that like easterns are the hardest to kill they're the hardest to talk to you uh the hardest to fool but I, I don't think that's the case. South Dakota has Easterns, Rios, and Merriam. So I've hunted all three. I've killed all three. I think there's way more dependent on like the topography and the amount of pressure that they have, the amount of turkeys around. All those kinds of things, I think, are much more important than if you are in Ohio or
3: Wyoming or what subspecies of turkey it is. Hmm. So, you know yeah. what I think about that? So when people say eastern birds, we think of the subspecies. But I think we're conflating the subspecies with the region. Yeah. And I think the 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 reason that people say that so much is because there's just been, you know, just like down south in some places, there's been turkey hunting going on a lot longer. So if you go hunt a place that turkeys that haven't been hunted, they're stupid. They're just easy. And you get that accumulated pressure and you get more people who have grown up around turkey hunting and done it more. It's just, I, I think that's what... People are generally referring to. But then when you say that, then everybody's like, oh, the Easterns are the hardest to kill. And it's like, well, go hunt some Miriams that have been pounded on for six oh, weeks. Yeah. Like they're not easy, or yeah. Rios, or it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so I think, at least in my experience, I think it's just pressure not only like pressure from this year but the pressure from the last four decades on the general population
2: yeah i had i had that point too i thought i was real excited to say it thanks for i had it build up in my mind i was like wait till i say this these guys are gonna be shocked Uh, (laughs) and that was exactly my point no i i agree i've seen eastern birds be easier than could possibly be the subspecies and i've seen I, like I've had a lot of really dumb Merriam experiences, and I just feel like that's not because that they have white tips. That's because they live in a place where not a lot of people turkey hunt. Yeah. If you go to the south, I've had more trouble killing birds in the south than anywhere that I've hunted, and I I believe it's because there are more people hunting them, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not because those eastern birds down there are. You know, I've seen I've seen eastern birds in places where they're not hunted do some really stupid things. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Merriams in open country just walk in a place you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you going over there? And they just don't that's where you get like the puffed up rumor thing. But I think when they're they're stressed and they're pressured, they become different different no doubt. animals altogether. Like with. any
3: animal, right? Yeah. You yeah. know what the best part about any subspecies that you're gonna hunt is? There's Jake's in every one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is
0: helpful. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often as the case, those guys were on to something in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Yeah, that's
4: about like regional things, too. And, and one thing I've noticed in South Dakota, there's not a lot of bobcats there. They're pretty rare. If you, like A lot of guys who hunt their whole lives in that area rarely see one, okay. but the... Places where guys get trail cam pictures of them, the place where I've seen them in person are the absolute best turkey habitat. And there's the most turkeys there is the best turkey hunting. And so I don't know how much you can apply that to other areas, but I have found in South Dakota where there's not very many bobcats that where they are or where guys are aware of them is also just stellar turkey hunting. And I'm guessing it's because bobcats uh, nail turkeys, um, eat a lot of them. So there's a reason for that. Obviously, he so means I, eat, not
2: have sex. With yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. Ben. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't we know. all needed that clarification. Just thinking about the audience here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so, but you're saying one one might assume that an opposite relationship might be present if if bobcats are nailing, by nailing I say <laughs> eating many turkeys that in that instance you would see lower turkey populations or your typical predator prey up and down, up and down, up and down. I but can't stop thinking
2: about a <laughs> Can you
1: imagine how right violent now. and obscure Oh, my God. That'd be a bad poor situation. turkey.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. That's
3: non-consensual. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's, I can see it You're going yeah, bad. Absolutely. So but anyways. That's I, I think
4: there's so few bobcats. Like, they pick the ideal places where they're going to be. For the high pops. Yeah. That happens to be where there are a bunch of turkeys. So like I said, I don't know how much of that you can apply to other areas. But maybe if you are in an area that rarely has bobcats seen or like your state just has some bobcats uh What I found is that where they like to hang out is also the best turkey hunting. So you should go scout Bobcat sign for your turkey spots? Sure. (laughs) If, If you have an easier time finding that, do that. I would love to find someone who would just dedicate
1: their next turkey season to the Spencer Newharth approach. Yes. <laughs> like, base your entire season around bobcats out there, there are no bobcats in Florida. Son of a
2: bitch. <laughs> no turkeys
1: either. No turkeys yeah. either. And then maybe if, if someone really did spend that much time scouting bobcats, they might actually document the um, the rare but majestic scene of a bobcat <laughs> nailing <laughs> a turkey.
4: <laughs>
2: Like oh bobcats nailing turkeys see it all the time you need to <laughs> as need soon as that. I started hunting bobcats instead of turkeys that's all. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> all. <laughs> okay. uh, I all. I started
1: okay I want to like hit a few more like key things almost rapid fire um, you talked about this a little bit already but the part of the day you talked about you're gonna hear more gobbling early probably but then you mentioned many cases that very killable birds the late morning bird if you had to pick though if I forced you to say you only pick this hour window or two hour window this part of the day which part of the day do you pick tony (sighs) 10 to noon
2: 10 to noon he keeps taking all my answers mark what do we (laughs) do i gotta start sending this then first (laughs) come on yeah 10 to noon same Yeah, I like that
4: window. That's probably when I've killed my most turkeys, but I like uh, being there when they're on the roost yet and just knowing where they're at because I don't have a ton of patience for turkey hunting. And so if I'm out there before sunrise and I know there's a bunch of turkeys in this one draw, that'll keep me busy. Uh, I'm satisfied hunting and not killing one. Whereas if you're out there midday, you're kind of blind. Uh, That's a, a tougher hunt for me. Yeah, I've definitely experienced what you guys are talking about. It always seems like there's that
1: lots of gobbling first thing in the morning and then they come down and then if they're not coming to you, then, and if you can't move, like for example, one of the properties I hunt a lot, they roost on the neighbors and they come down unless they come right to me, which happens like one out of 10 times maybe, then they're going to take off in the opposite direction and I have to wait like two or three hours. But I know eventually they'll circle back and by like 9.30, 10, 10.30, something will circle back through. Um, so, so while I know that to be true and those do seem to be killable birds, there's something about that. On the roost first thing in the morning, like I love that so much. Like that, those, that hour experience, whether or not you kill something, is is my favorite thing about turkey hunting. I, think. I,
2: just, I feel like there's very few other things in hunting that involve that type of approach, though. Like, can you imagine if you're hunting white tails and they were just laying in the tree? Like there they are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're gonna get down. We're gonna get under the tree right near mm-hmm. where he is, and when he jumps down, I'll make a noise, and he'll come we'll over. We'll nail him, and we'll nail him, <laughs> and we'll just nail him real good. I just don't think like, it's that's very unique to turkey hunting. So, yeah. but it's I so love cool. It. Like, I love it. I love it for that reason because it is unique. You're not doing that with, and it's like the reverse flush. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of, of an thing. interesting way to. <laughs> approach, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, that that like that first,
1: the first that down, gobble, Spencer. the first gobble of the morning. Like that is like a chill inducing moment every time for me. That hasn't gotten old for me yet. You're walking out there and you're just waiting and waiting. And
2: then I'd like to make an addendum. I would like to be out in the. Do I get to be out in the woods at first light and then only hunt from ten to noon, or do I not? You had to pick. Do I have to go out at ten? Yes. Oh man. Yeah. If, I, if that's the case, I'm going out first light. You are
1: okay. Yeah. So it's three to one. You lose, Tony.
2: But I mean, if I could, if I could go, if I could go and like. <laughs> wash the turkeys and then only hunt them from 10 to noon. Yeah. Like the most successful time yeah, right. period is going to be 10 you, to noon. If you
3: want to kill one, you know why that window is so good? Because that's when the bobcats are napping. Yeah. <laughs> <That> <laughs> They're, so
2: tired
3: from that. They're so yeah. tired from all that. They're so tired from all that. They're, they it They're sleeping it off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Man, this is the best turkey hunting podcast we've ever done. <laughs> um, okay. Ideal decoy setup. What do you run? Like, I know there's lots of different variations, but if you had to pick, like, the most tried and true that's going to work the most often, what is it? Ben. Sorry, I got (laughs) to give Ben the first one. Let's
2: let Tony go because he's going to say something really smart and I'll be like, that (laughs) is what we we would say. Again, it very much depends on, like, the time of year, but if I'm, like, early season, it's, like, the, the first hit in the ground, I'll probably just go with a jake and a hen and just depending on what the topography the topography is or what the field looks like or what the piece of woods looks like i'll and then like how do you like
1: to position them heads up heads down <sighs> angle towards you like i want specifics you want specifics
2: yeah. i've i've done a lot of different positions um <laughs> i've done almost done it in almost all, 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 positions. all two easy. of them yeah. easy keep your composure <laughs> I've, I've done it in a lot of positions with a lot of different uh variations of animals types of so it was, oh, well, I'm a, i have a child's mind um it's i've done i've done the laying down hen and had a lot of success with that with the jake face and like facing off towards where the birds are coming from kind of the, that challenge i've had a lot of success with like i'll do a uh, if i do it if i have a fan on i'll face the fan away from where i think the turkeys are going to come from because like, a lot of times And then I'll try to make sure as the wind blows, if I got a a thing that'll move, that it'll turn to the way where they can see the profile of the turkey's face. I think like subordinate birds will oftentimes turn away from a gobbler and kind of show them their side. So I try to do that sometimes. But there's so many ways to approach it. But Spencer? Yeah, I think the safest bet is just a single hen or a hen and a
4: jake. But more often than not, I run a single hen that's facing me that way if a tom sees it, comes in, Tom wants to be facing the hen and they can't see me drawing my bow or bringing up my shotgun, whatever that is. And the hen's doing what? General uh, standing up? Yes. Well, and I use a decoy that it's hard to um, have variety with. I use a Montana decoy gotcha. because I like to like throw it in my backpack and go in somewhere, uh, not be sure where I've set it up. So with that, it's pretty much always just standing up um, and head up. Gotcha. I, I think the one
1: that i use the most is like a, a a hen feeding head down and then a jake behind her head up um has been but then i've also ran kind of like you said ben with a full struck gobbler and i like to face the fan towards where i think they're gonna come from not because for the reasons you described but just because i feel like it's more noticeable like i just want them to see that big fan and like catch their attention with it um that's I mean, a big part of it interesting yeah. point though too it's a
2: big part of it but you know like you're just thinking of i want that gobbler to be thinking that's a subordinate yeah, that's interesting. Because especially if he's with a with, with another, Cause I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of times like Spencer said where I just wish I had a hen out there. Mm-hmm. Like I get out there and this bird comes in, and he just locks up. It's Like mm, I don't know if I'm into that right now. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to fight. And yeah. so there's a lot of times I wish I just ran. Ahead. There's, I would say that most times I think that my decoys have screwed up my setup is when I wish I just had a hen. Yeah, if I had a strutter out or something like that, or even a Jake sometimes.
3: Yeah. Did uh, did Ben take your ideas, Tony? No. Okay. <clears throat> so. I, I think of I think from a, more from a bow hunting perspective. Then I think you can do. I think you can get away with different stuff if you're only shotgun hunting. But for me, the early season stuff starts with as many decoys as I want to carry. Usually that's four, and it'll be a quarter strut Jake over a lay down hen, and then probably a feeding hen and an upright. Always kind of working in the same direction. You know, you think about turkeys when you watch them; they're kind of always moving in the same direction. You see people put them out facing. It just looks unnatural, and so. I'm thinking if I'm in the morning, I'm like, okay, they're coming out of the woods probably if I'm on a field edge or something. So they're all going one way. Or in the evening, I might reverse it. I don't know if that matters, but I use I use Dave Smith's. And throughout the season, I'll pare it down. So I'll eventually go to just the uh, Jake decoy and the lay-down hen, so hopefully in some place where she's visible, you know? And so, so why are you paring it down at that point? Because I've had – like you're talking about birds flaring or, you know, where you just wish you had that single hen. I, I don't know why this is, but I have better luck with more decoys early and throughout the season as I, and I end up paring down, if it's by about May 10th, I'm down to a single hen. I don't like that Jake anymore. They're not fighting as much. There's no pecking order thing going on. And so it just seems, I seem to get more effective early with a lot of decoys and later with fewer. And in, in certain situations, I don't use the strutter a lot, but, if i've been able to scout and i've seen that bird that has a bunch of hens with him and he's a stud if you can figure out where that bird likes to be and put out a strutter he'll come and so it that's a situational thing but that's not something i use season long that's like april early april and so just it just depends but i like as a bow hunter i like really realistic decoys that i can get away it changes if i'm shotgun hunting
4: i think you should get into like having confidence decoys like start bringing a a Dill white whitetail with you and put up, you know, near him or like a heron or something like that. take um, the
3: waterfall approach. I've I've actually put turkey decoys I know what's up with him today. <laughs> 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 We're Did you say a blue so heron? Here, oh, yeah. You. Here, Ben's over next to me texted Ronella like, man, you screwed up on He's this like, one. Oh, my God. What have we done? <laughs> His turkey hunting strategy is <laughs>
2: freaking bizarre. Here's what I do. I get a blue heron. Yeah. <laughs> and I
3: Once I figure turkey. out the bobcat density <laughs> of a region. <laughs> here's my strategy. Two Canadian geese. Yeah. I commission a blue Spencer heron, new one mojo. Uh, uh-huh.
2: Here's what I like to do. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, I've determined there are a lot of bobcats around, so what I <laughs> the first thing I do is. Yep. yep. So. Did you have anything else?
3: On well, that I was just I, <laughs> before Spencer derailed us with herons. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let it go. But yes, yeah, so th- they're all confidence decoys, I'm, man. Now I'm
2: picturing right. I'm picturing him with like going out through a field of blue heron yeah, legs I, and a <laughs> head sticking out of his fucking back. I cannot
1: wait. Till Hilar- a couple sand Hilar- sandhill a couple cranes. Hilar- <laughs>
2: I can't wait for the South to go (laughs) down. It's
1: going to be. So, so then let's hear what your bizarre calling strategy is. Like, what's your calling strategy first in the morning on the roost? How does it transition during that late morning period we talked about? And then,
4: do you call in the evenings? Uh, So, I know we're running out of time, so I'm just going to make it quick. But, like, I I try to not overcall, I think that's a mistake you can make. um, And that's what I did early in turkey hunting. Um, And as I've become a more successful
2: turkey hunter, my calling has gotten less yep uh ben yeah i mean i would agree with that as far as like times of the day i keep going back to, it's hard to answer that just just to know like i try to stay real silent off the roost like i like to let them zero calling not zero but i like to really read them off the roost if they're if they're just lighting up on the roost a lot of birds will light it up on the roost blah, 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 blah. a lot of birds that have a lot of predators around will light it up on the roost and fly down and shut the f up you know yeah so you. So I like to be quiet for that reason around roost time, let them fly off, kind of read them a little bit, what are they going to do, and try to be more responsive in that way. During the midday, I'm going to, like, let it fly a little bit harder, try to get somebody's attention. And the same thing kind of in the, in the evening, I'm going to hopefully be in a spot where I know they're kind of coming to me, so I'm going to let yep. them be a little vocal before I get fired up. I mean, it just really depends.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've always thought, kind of to your point, I, I was just like you, Spencer, early on. I used to call, call, call. Every time they gobbled, I wanted to call back. and It was so much fun. Um, but then I realized, yeah, oftentimes the best, the most uh, effective call was sometimes the playing hard to get no call. So you let them know you're there, but then you, you pull back. And they're thinking, no, like they should be coming to me. They should be coming to me, and I should be hearing them. And then that doesn't happen, and the gobbler's like, well, what the hell? i got to go figure out where she went. And then sometimes you get the half hour later, he comes strolling in. So I've always kind of taken the approach that I find him on the roost. I, I like to try to just at least know, do, make enough noise to know that they know I'm there. So I want to like, yelp, yelp, and then I get a response. Okay, he knows I'm here. Now I'm going to stop. And then I usually play it just like you did. Yeah. And then same deal, late morning, then try to get something's attention. Lots of times I'll, I'll get up and just start roaming at that point too, trying to strike one up or hear one in the distance and make a move on it. The evenings I struggle with. Like just because they're not talking by me at least very little talking, and then to your point, I've always tried to just hopefully kind of know where they're headed, get in between there, roam around, make noise. Hopefully something strikes up, but I don't know, Tony. I feel like you're the
3: the outlier. Uh, well, tell tell us what we're doing wrong. I'm I'm a caller, man. I uh, you know. The thing about the early part of the day is you're you're almost always talking to somebody, and so you're you're just gauging the conversation on how he's responding. And it's easy if they're if they're on the roost, they're going to respond a lot. And so it doesn't. You could call a lot and get a response, but it's not doing any good. So you're you're taking that temperature. The rest of the day, after you get like the that like nine o'clock lull or whatever, I'm a caller, man. And yeah. part of it is because I'm trying to get hens pissed off. And so we're always like, oh, I got to get that girl that gobbler to go, but a lot of times, you know, if they're traveling with that little flock of hens or something, there'll be one dominant hen in there, and I'm trying to like, I'm cutting to her hard and going a couple different calls at a time, usually a mouth call, and a I like slate calls a lot, and I can cut, just cut and yelp and yelp and yelp, and this this came from my fall hunting where the conventional wisdom is, hey, be super quiet, be cautious, and to get them, I kind of think a lot of times, like, they need some encouragement and if you're good at it, where they're like, there's something going. on I don't want to miss. Or if you can get that hen, where she's like, I don't want this this chick talking smack to me. Yeah. You can get them to swing closer. And if the hens come 75 yards, that tom might come right in. And so I don't, I'm not real shy.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, I, everybody says, oh, I'm either I'm call shy or I just let it rip. I mean, I'm. I've been with a lot of guys that you sit in a blind with them. You're like, let's go, man. Let's go. You can't. This bird is fired up. Like he's coming. Let's give him a show. Like let's. And I've been to other guys like shut the fuck up. There, <laughs> like it's <was> not. <laughs> what I do is I call every five minutes. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we get it. Like <laughs> yeah, we call every five just minutes. like all real turkeys. Yeah, do. All, yeah, yeah, like all real turkeys just sit around going Every five minutes. So I, don't, it's hard to know kind of what the right thing to do is. But I've 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 had the most success just personally reading the bird first. Right. So yeah. if I'm on a bird and he's on the roost and he's hammering. And the hens fly down first and he waits to fly down and he doesn't immediately strut, like he just kinda of follows them into the timber or something. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like but if he flies down first and hits the strut, then it's on. Yeah. So then I'm going I'm going to work. But it just it starts that way. But in the like if you're in the middle of the day, you just like be loud, be
3: proud, <laughs> try well, to make e- something like, happen. You know, yeah. you mentioned evening, same thing. What do you got to lose? Yeah. Right. If you yeah, had if you lose. have birds that aren't vocal, You can you can kill birds in the evening. They're going to be traveling. That's the thing. So they might not be sounding off, but they got a destination in mind. You can, if you if you get after them, a lot of times you can get them to go. Yeah,
2: yeah. If you sit, yeah, I like to sit on that path, right? Just kind of get, know that, man. They roost here a lot, even if they're not being real vocal right now. Like I'm going to get in between where I know, I think they're headed, and just stay silent, but be a little bit more vocal and just, you know, seem desperate, seem, you know. Seemed like you got something real to say to to the birds. All
1: right, I got to leave for the airport, Um, so we're gonna wrap this up real fast. But I want to I want to end with two final like rapid fire things. First off, Ben, turkey vest or no turkey vest? Turkey vest, turkey vest or turkey or no turkey vest?
4: backpack, Spencer,
1: backpack, absolutely no turkey vest. It's like the pencil protector of the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that noob! Jeez,
2: uh, no, dude, I love turkey. Ouch.
3: Vest, man. Ouch! I love my turkey vest.
1: I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear everyone's turkey yelp, mouth turkey yelp, right now, and we'll pick who's got the best natural mouth
2: turkey yelp. Ben, what do you got? I feel like my microphone could be faulty. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Let's see what you got.
2: Hold on. Now that's a lot of pressure. You guys ready? <laughs> <clears throat> Hold on that yelp, yelp. Yep. No, that oh, come on. I'm not gonna let you Nothing chide me into this. No. Nothing? Absolutely not. Really? No. Nope.
3: Tony? I have twin seven year olds. We turkey call all the time mouth.
2: <laughs> Hit him. Okay. That's a harbor seal. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't I don't like the eye contact he's yeah, making I <laughs> with me there.
2: That got awkward
3: real fast. All right,
1: and, and Spencer, what's your best bobcat call? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: that's lose. your Bobcat geriatric. Yeah, that was like a pretty yep. good
4: one. Mark wins. That was good, Mark. <laughs> Two years again, Mark.
2: It's
4: got a little. He's looking at me now. Why is he looking at me like that? It's getting weird. You don't need a turkey vest because you don't even need a call. So there you go. That's why you stopped using them. I did, I was not aware that the turkey vest was a faux pas.
2: <laughs> I love my turkey vest, dude. I I stand by that sucker. Hey,
1: we're proud. Do you do, proud. do you run the turkey vest with a built-in butt head?
3: No, no, okay.
2: No. Okay, I wouldn't be against it though. Do you pair it
3: up with a fanny pack? uh, Yeah,
2: I could see Ben rocking a fanny pack pack and a turkey vest at the same time. I, I would. If I get like, a little fanny pack, i keep my little scratch pad in it's there. Turkey. snacks. Yeah, my snacks. <laughs> turkey Turkey Tour 2019. You <laughs> need to have Turkey Tour fanny packs. So we're in South yeah. Dakota. We're <laughs> in South Dakota. You're going to hear this, like, crinkling sound. Like, what's Ben doing? Oh, he's eating crackers again out of his fanny pack. <laughs> he likes to say he likes uh, to have all those calories during yes. the turkey, uh, turkey time. Yeah, no, I love my vest. What I do is I have my vest. It's got all my calls, my shells. My I just go into my garage. I get it out of the bin, and I throw it in the truck, and I go,
3: we know how they work
2: (laughs) (laughs) and on that note uh let's wrap this up thanks guys for taking time to
1: talk turkeys thanks man and that's gonna do it for us today so thanks for listening hope you guys enjoyed this one i i had a hoot uh we laughed a lot we covered some really good content i think when it comes to turkey hunting and with turkey season opening up for a lot of us anytime now it's a very exciting time of year. I can't wait for those first gobbles. I actually just the other day saw some turkeys across the road from my house and took my son out on the front porch and tried doing some yelping at him and stuff. And that just uh, got my blood pumping. I can't wait to take him out in the woods. So uh, hopefully you guys have some great experiences coming up soon. I will stop rambling. I will thank you one more time for being uh, listeners of the Wired hunt podcast. And until next time, stay wired to hunt.